0: Y'all hear the liquid sunshine coming down? If you have a uh, copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Colossians. We're going to look at the last few verses in Colossians chapter 1. Last Sunday we left here and I know that we did every, exactly what y'all did we went to the Mexican restaurant for lunch on Easter. Yeah. And um, it, it happened as I went to pay for the meal. A gentleman who was sitting at a table beside us, he was standing behind me and he said, you can't deny it. And I was taken aback a little bit. I was like, are you talking to me? He's like, yeah. yeah. You can't deny it. Those two kids look exactly like you. You can't deny that they're yours. And I, trying to be funny, yet truthful, stated this. Not only do they look like me, the bad thing is they act like me. And he nodded. No. Um, And I was reminded of that a little later this week. As I went into the uh, living room, and one of my kids, who will remain nameless, Mary Morgan, was laying there on the couch with all the remotes surrounded her. And I was like, that is me, except she has them. And I took all the remotes from her, and I turned on a TV show that I enjoyed. It's a mystery. It's a TV show that everybody else in the household wish I wouldn't watch, but I love it. Because I love mysteries. I love, at the end of the mystery, you figure out, or you try the whole time as you're watching it, trying to figure out, all right, who did it, how did they do it, and trying to solve the mystery. Spiritually speaking, Paul gives us this mystery God does through Paul in Colossians chapter 1. At the end of the chapter, he states this is the mystery. It's hidden for the ages and generations, but now it's been revealed. And So let me read for us this morning Colossians chapter 1. We will key in in verse 24 down through verse 29, but let me... Walk with you through this whole chapter and let's look at this mystery that is solved. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, and it is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it, and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk By the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in the body of His flesh by His death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the Word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints, to them, to all those saints To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil. Struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow and I ask that for these next few moments Father, You would speak through Your Word. You would allow Your Word to become clear that You would give us wisdom. You would give me uh, wisdom, discernment, understanding. You would give us wisdom, discernment, understanding, knowledge of this passage beyond our years. Father, that we could understand the nuggets of this great mystery of these riches that you have allowed to come about. Father, in my mind, in our minds this morning, I pray that you would allow the mystery to be solved, to be seen, to be understood. That your name would be glorified. That your name would be magnified. That your name would be lifted high in our lives. I pray for these this morning. I pray for myself this morning. Would you speak? In Christ's name, amen. You know, the longer I studied this passage this week, the the more that I looked at it, the harder it hit me. So, I'm not going to let you off the hook, so to speak, but I really do believe this message is for me and you're just allowed to listen in. I want you to gain some application from this passage because you and I are in the same boat. I believe that. I believe that you and I find ourselves just like Paul did as he was writing to a group of Christians about doctrine, yes, about theology, yes, but so much more he was writing to them about their Savior. And he wanted them to see. And he wants you to see and he wants me to see just how great he is this gift that's been given to me, to you. So I've entitled it, The Mystery is Solved. The first, in verses 24 through 29, we see that the mystery is worth sacrifice. As I read these verses again, think about that word sacrifice. And hear what Paul has to say to the folks at Colossae and to you and to me about sacrifice. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For the sake of His body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the Word of God fully known. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Paul lays the groundwork of what it means to be a Christian in this passage. He lays the groundwork for you, for me, for those at Colossae to understand, hey, you want to know what a Christian is? Here's what a Christian is. And the first way he describes it is with the word sufferings. That first word of sacrifice, of suffering. Those afflictions. Those are words that you and I as as Americans, we don't like. We don't like sacrifice. We're Americans. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We have been blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. Other cultures not only know the word, what it means, but other cultures are willing to take that word on in their faith. You and I have been blessed to live in a country that is the exception, not the rule around the world. But every day, even in our world, even in our culture, there seems to be this ridicule. There seems to be another uh, news of another instance where religious freedom is being combated. Whether it's a teacher that won't allow a student to use the Bible or a character in the Bible to write an essay on. Maybe it's a football coach that's having voluntary study and prayer that is just being slaughtered in the media by this group or that group. Maybe it's seeing other people belittled or shunned in their field of expertise because they hold to creation instead of the theory of evolution. You and I need to understand, we need to know that suffering here In DeSoto County in 2014, it will intensify. It will intensify if you and I stand for what we are called to stand for. It will intensify if the direction continues to go in the way that it is going in our culture. Paul states that he is rejoicing in his sufferings. Told the story, but I can't get past it. I'm in my dorm room, and there's two guys at Southeastern Seminary who grew up in Egypt, born there, reared there, raised in a Muslim family. They're not brothers, but they're about the same age. They're both from Cairo. grew up Muslim, and both of them turned to Christianity. One of them, Timothy, remained going to the mosque five times every day, but he would pray, he would would whisper his prayers, not the prayers to Allah, not the prayers of the Muslim, but he was whispering prayers of his Savior, of Jesus, and finally the gentleman right beside him heard the whisper. They arrested him. They took him to his dad. His dad disowned him. But as he disowned him, he beat him. And he beat him. And he beat him. And I don't know, but there was one night about 3 a.m. that I had to get up and go to the restroom. And it was the time when Timothy always took a shower. Because he didn't want anybody to see the stripes on his back. But there he was. And I remember listening to him over and over rejoicing of knowing Christ. And every time I read this verse, I think of him. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And if you look at that and you wrestle with that phrase, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for your sake. You've got to think, well, is this heresy? Wasn't it on the cross that he said it's finished and there's no more suffering? Is that what he's saying? He's adding to the work that Christ did? That's not what he's saying. I've got some verses that will be on the screen, some that I'm just going to read for you to try to understand what Paul is getting across or what he's trying to, to let the folks at Colossae know. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus is speaking. He says this, If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, meaning if they called me the devil... If they called me Satan, if they called me the head of the demons, how much more will they call the household? Mark chapter 13, verse 13. You will be hated of all men. Why? For my name's sake. For my name's sake. Christian today, you will be hated for Christ's name's sake. Acts chapter 9, verse 4 and 5. Jesus is talking to Saul. He's talking to Paul. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus is already dead. He's already risen from the grave. He's already gone back into heaven. But Saul, Paul... The same guy that's writing Colossians, before he was saved, he was going around and he was just taking all the Christians that he could find, men, women, boys, and girls, and he was throwing them in jail. He was standing by them as men were picking up stones and throwing them and killing them. And Jesus asked him, why are you persecuting me? I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 5, the afflictions of Christ, they overflow toward us. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the putting to death of Jesus. Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Philippians 3, 10. That I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. And then one we looked at at the end of last year Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. When the dragon, Satan, saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, here's what he went about doing he went about persecuting the woman the body, the church. Because she had brought forth the male child. These days for you and these days for me are days of change. The sacrifice is worth it. This treasure, this mystery is worth the sacrifice Paul states it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Are eternal. And need you to grasp this and I know it's been kind of heavy and that's okay because you and I need to understand heavy things every now and then if you and I are going to live as Christ desires us to live the world is going to hate you the world is going to say things that you don't want to hear The world's not going to include you in things that you would like for them to include you in. The culture that you and I live in today, the job sites that we go to today, the classrooms that we go to, the sports teams that we're a part of, all the things in this culture, the more you and I understand and we live out Colossians chapter 1, the more you and I need to understand that we will be persecuted. You say, Brian, I'm not being persecuted. Well, thank your blessings. Thank your Father who has blessed you. But also check to see am I living as He called me to live? As Paul lived out these moments, and as he lived out these days, he understood, as he had already written, as he was writing, as he was living out what he wrote to those in the current, as we look, not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen, they're eternal. Not only is this sacrifice, excuse me, this mystery worth sacrifice, but the mystery is now disclosed. What is the mystery? The mystery, verse 26 states, it has been hidden for ages, it's been hidden for generations, but now it's revealed to all His saints. It's, it's revealed to His saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's the mystery? The mystery is this, God became a man. The mystery is this, that He put on skin and He dwelt among us. The mystery is this, that He loved you so much that He took your place on the cross. The mystery is this, that He not only just died for you and He shed His blood for you, but that three days later He rose from the grave so that you and I might be eternally saved. mystery is as he stated in John chapter 14 that I'll pray and I will send I'll pray to the Father that he would send another helper just like me and that he dwells in you that his spirit lives in us that is glorious riches Say, Brian, what in the world? Christ in you. Christ in you. God, in His infinite wisdom, in His infinite wisdom, saw fit to come and live. The example out for us. He put skin on. He walked. He ate. He slept. He lived among us as a man. And then when He ascended back to the Father, He gave us His Spirit. And He reminds us often. Do you not know, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 states, that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you. Do you not know this? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you, you are that temple. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul states it this way, In Him we have obtained an inheritance. In Christ we have, having been predestined. That means that God is predetermined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, all of us, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in Him... You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Christianity is not just, hey, let me make a decision so that I can go and live the life that I want to live so that I can be happy. And feel good for the 70 plus years that I'm on this earth. Christianity is where the God of the universe loved you so much. That He came and He desires to live inside of you. So that your Monday will be totally different than the person that's beside you who doesn't know him. If you and I were to go and we were to have the opportunity. Some of us, this would gross us out. Some of us, we were like, yes, please, I want to do this. But if we had the opportunity tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock to be at Methodist Central. To be standing in the back of the room while a heart surgeon performed heart surgery. And we were to see that heart surgeon perform two surgeries tomorrow morning. The first on a believer and the second on a non-believer. No matter the believer or the non-believer, when he opened the chest cavity and allowed—and we were allowed to look in and see all the things that were inside that person, you and I couldn't tell the difference, believer, non-believer. There's organs, we would see them. There, there's the heart, we would see it. There would be a little blood, probably. We would see that, okay? But there's totally a difference between a believer and a non-believer. Whether you're a dichotomist or a trichotomist, y'all go Google those two terms later, but whether you're either one of those, that means that you believe, if you're a dichotomist, you believe that man is made up of two, two entities, Flesh and spirit. If you're a trichotomist, you believe that there are three soul, spirit, and flesh. Whether either one of those doesn't matter. There's something different in a believer than a non believer, and that is the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in a person. Paul says, Because of that, I live changed. Because of that, my days are different. Because of that, I will sacrifice. Because of that, I understand this mystery. The rich glory that is given to me as Christ in you, the hope of glory. A third insight into this mystery is for us to understand. In 27 through 29, Paul says this about this mystery it's still unfolding. Although it's been seen, although it's worth the sacrifice, it's disclosed, it's now, you and I need to understand, it still is unfolding. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim. Him we are warning everyone. Him we are teaching Everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil. Struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. Paul took this task being called out, being an apostle, being sent very seriously. And I understand that We are not apostles. I understand that. But you and I both need to understand that we are ambassadors for Christ. And that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. His task was to have everyone hear the great news, the story of Christ and what He had done for them. Have you ever told anybody about Jesus? Have you ever told anybody about Jesus? Brian, I'm not trained. That actually is a good thing. Brian, I, I don't have a degree. That's definitely a good thing. Brian, I'm not a preacher. That's a good thing. My question to you is this. Has God changed you? Have you bowed the knee? Have you confessed with your mouth that he is Lord? That is the story to tell. Just tell them what he's done. I got a text this week of somebody just so glad that they had the opportunity, they took the opportunity, and they shared with somebody about Jesus Christ, and that person came to know him. Brian, what if they ask questions? Do like I do. I don't know. I don't know. Let me look it up. Let me go ask some questions. But what they cannot argue with you or me about is the change that has happened in us. Paul understood it. He said to the folks at Colossae, Here I am so grateful for all these sufferings. I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for you. All because of this great mystery which has been told to you, has been shown to you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why? So that I can proclaim to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl at 34 Tanner Cove, whoever God brings in part in, my life in front of me this week, that I could proclaim to them, that I could warn them, that I could share with them Christ in you the hope of glory. I don't know where God is going to take you this week. I don't. You don't know where God's going to take you this week. You've got your calendar all set out, but guess what? He doesn't work on your calendar. He has his own. But I do know this. If you would say, Lord, why don't you put somebody in my path this week that I can share with them this great mystery. He'll do it. One person. He may put ten people in front of you. But if you ask, he will do that. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to have a time of response and the invitation is Very simple, just for you. If that's you in Colossians chapter 1, what Paul has been stating, if that is you, if you are like those at Colossae who have believed, just praise, Lord, this week I, I want to live changed because you live in me. If that's not you, if you've never bowed the knee, if you've never asked Christ to enter into your heart, into your life, why don't you come up to me and let's talk. Let me introduce him to you. He loves you so much. So much. A time of response. Maybe you need to come to the altar and you need to pray. Maybe you want to pray for a friend who's far from God. Why don't you come? Heavenly Father, I bow before you. Father, so often we get caught up, I get caught up in the busy things, in the day to day tasks that, Father, I fail to see the spiritual opportunities that you have in front of me. God, I pray this week that that would not be the case, that my heart, my focus, my attention would be on you and allowing you to use me to share the great mystery, what you've done in me and among millions and millions and millions Father, direct my paths to those that I come in contact with that are far from you. That are far from you, that we, your people, that River Bend, that we know. The Father, we come in contact with this week that you would use us to. Pray for every single person that is in this room right now. God, I pray that, that you would allow us to understand that you have given us a spirit of power. Not of fear or timidity. You have given us your spirit. Holy Spirit. And he dwells in us. May we speak of what you've done and who you are. You stand and you sing as we respond to how great Jesus is. The altar is open. If you want to pray with me, I'll pray with you.